unhappiest in the saddle. <laughs> A fellow sportsman. I am an FBI agent. Great Scott. What do you say we cut the chit-chat? A-hole. Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Come with me if you want to live. Hello. And welcome to Retro Ramble. I'm Charlie McGee. I'm George McGee. And this episode, we are going to be covering the 1993 dystopian classic that is Demolition Man. <laughs> With Sylvester Stallone and in her breakout film, Sandra Bullock. Well, I mean, I think the tagline was Stallone versus Snipes. So we've got, we've got to give a shout out to Wesley. Yeah, of course. Yeah, he's he's enjoying this film. He's has a, I think he has most fun in this film. A lot of fun. Yeah. So in this, we're going to be obviously uh, covering some of the production, what, what made this film a reality. All the usual stuff that we normally cover. Uh, we'll be talking about the set pieces. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna chuck in a, a new feature for 2019. Right. Uh, I, I, I don't know about this. Wait, uh, we haven't discussed this. I'll, I'll just throw it at you and we'll, we'll just see how you fly with it. Just roll with the play. Okay, is it gonna be, it's not like a monkey in a monkey in a suit sort of feature? No, no, there's no monkeys in suits in this. It's not suspect. I don't think so. I didn't, watching it, I didn't see any suspect stuntmen, which no. was uh, a no. <laughs> we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get to that. Yeah, so we're jumping three years into the future oh. and then 40 years into the future. Yep. 93 to 96 and then to whatever that is. You, the, you mean <laughs> the gritty, dark, dystopian future of 1996? Yes. Three years later, how could the world go so wrong? Yeah. Anyway, we're getting into it already. Sorry, guys. Um, so, yeah, thanks for um, thanks for downloading this episode. We hope you enjoy it. I think we've covered most of the usual housekeeping. Yeah, there is one, I think, new addition we would say to housekeeping. We watched these films when we were younger. So if, we've, if we come across with some immature ideas, to these films if you discovered them when you were older and you enjoyed them seriously this is supposed to be entertaining we if we are a bit tongue-in-cheek this film is supposed to be a satire itself as i've said this on the podcast before we, we treat these films like a good friend we like to reminisce but we also like to take the piss out of them so if you're looking for a highbrow study of demolition man this is not the podcast for you there will be some interesting trivia and tidbits but yeah we're gonna have some fun with it there will be spoilers from the very beginning, so you have been warned. Yeah, and I think we do like Sylvester Stallone. We watched lots and lots of his films when we were younger. I think it's just hard to take them very seriously now as we look back. Yes, yeah. but we'll, again, we'll delve into yeah, that. Yeah, so Sly, just stop calling me about the Tango and Cash episode, okay? <laughs> it was nothing personal. Anyway, um, so we, we've got everything set up. We're gonna jump forward into We're the We're gonna future. get naked. We're gonna get cryogenically frozen. Oh, oh yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> you Neanderthal. Okay, so here it is, coming in your ears. Demolition Man, 1993, enjoy. end of a century ravaged by violence, a society of perfect order will arise. Criminals will be frozen and reprogrammed in cryogenic prisons. Aggression and deviant behavior will be totally eliminated. But in the year 2032... This morning, Simon Phoenix escaped from this cryo facility. We are, quite frankly, not equipped to deal with the situation. Amidst a world of peace and calm... We're police officers. We're not trained for this kind of violence. How was the fiendish Simon Phoenix apprehended back in the 20th? In the end, it took just one man. 
John Spartan. You mean the demolition man? Two mortal enemies. Just dropped in to say hi. From another time. Pass is over, John. Time for something new and improved. Will be unleashed on a future that isn't big enough for the both of them. Sylvester Stallone, Wesley Snipes, Demolition Man. So, George, I didn't know who directed this, and I can't remember after looking at the credits. It's a weird-sounding okay. name. Okay, well... Um, 1993, Demolition Man, directed by... Marco Brambilla, or yeah. Brambilla. Uh, yeah. I think it's Brambilla, yeah. but I think it's more important to say that this is a Joel Silver production, so that is a name that has frequently come up on Retro Rambles uh, episodes, so only our last episode, Die Hard, or our last, yes, or proper Retro Ramble episode was a, a Joel Silver production... You know, I'm sorry if I'm... Matrix, Commando, all of those. Lethal Weapon. Yeah. Very successful movie producer throughout the, the 80s and 90s. Uh, Joe Silver was actually at the time courting David Fincher to di direct this. And I think this was, in terms of the timeline, this was a similar time that di uh, David Fincher was directing Alien 3, which was his first feature film, which he absolutely hated. Which is uh, a film that gets better and better with age, I would say. I haven't watched it recently, but uh, yeah, it, apparently he got burned quite badly on it. But he, so yeah, I think he was busy with Alien 3 or was about to go into Alien 3. So he suggested another sort of video artist i suppose so this guy marco brambilla or bambia um it's his debut feature his website uh, states that he's a visual and installation artist and there's absolutely no mention of demolition man on his own website kind of shows you what he thinks of this film yeah so he does a lot of um yeah art installations i think he's recently done some cover art for um, madonna's last album so he's still doing a lot of work um because that does show in this film this film is shiny and clean and the set design it's is very slick very slick it yeah. does it does look like a perfect utopian world with Dennis Leary living underneath it oh god yeah we'll get on to that in a bit there was an interview uh, with uh, Brambia a few years ago and uh, he had some interesting things to say about uh, Demolition Man he said um I didn't feel like it was a filmmaker's medium anymore in 1993. It was becoming much more of a producer's medium. So I think between the lines, Joel Silver was quite hands-on. Yeah. And now I would say it's not even a producer's medium anymore. It's more of a marketing department's medium, which is, you know, quite accurate. But then I came across another article uh, in a Variety from 1993 for, in the run-up to Demolition Man, an interview with Joel Silver, and apparently he always brings in his stunt coordinator and second unit director, a guy called Charles Pacerni, early on in the process. He said he gets right in, uh, involved right off the bat as the writer is evolving the script. We have ideas for stunts or for gags. And then Charlie meets the writer, goes to locations, begins talking about what we can do and how we can do it. Then it's when we have it, it goes to the script. So it does seem like Joel Silver was quite a hands-on Scene for guy. scene, sort of storyboarding it as they went. And then we have, like, an uh, explosion. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it also seems like there's... Uh, I don't know if you'd saw it in the credits, but there's a lot of uh, people uh, accredited to writing the screenplay. So Daniel Walters, Robert Renault, and Peter M. Lenkoff uh, have screenplay credit. But Peter M. Lenkoff and Robert 
Renault have story credit. Apparently, there were so many writers involved and so many changes whilst it was all going on. That doesn't show at all. <laughs> Joel Silver had to pay them all uh, all off like substantial amounts of money so they would all be happy. But then I think it was Daniel Waters who did, again, a lot of patch-up work on Batman Returns a uh, year before did the sort of lion's share of it but apparently the original script was knocking around as early as 1988 and had a much darker serious tone and the writer wanted mickey rourke to star wow there's a free coulda woulda shoulda for you <laughs> there's the sort of the, much the main else thing just, just dive uh, into I'm, well, I'm, I'm ready to jump out of a helicopter with, with uh, is it a bungee cord or is it a rope uh, anyway there's one more thing um <laughs> Apparently there's some uh, plagiarism uh, controversy with this. Uh, A Hungarian science fiction writer, Istvan Nemir, claims that Demolition is based on his novel uh, Holtak Harker, which is Fight of the Dead to you and me, um, which he published in 1986. In his novel, a terrorist and his enemy, a counter-terrorism soldier, are cryogenically frozen and awakened in the 22nd century to find violence has been purged from society. He claimed that a committee proved that 75% of his film of the film is identical to his book, but he chose not to pursue a lawsuit because it would have been too expensive for him and to fight against a major Hollywood studio. Wow. Too so to fail. So yeah. But I say that's that's his word against Hollywood. I mean Hollywood wouldn't lie to us, right? No. So speaking of Hollywood, Hollywood is first scene of the film. I totally forgot. I remember. So yeah, we're getting into the film now. Credits uh, are rolled. No, no, no. The, the credits haven't even started yet. Yeah. Because the credits start flying in all futuristically. Ah, uh, um, yeah, that's true. So it looks like we've just entered what Hill Valley looks like in Back to the Future Two when Biff gets the old Biff pack. slash Donald Trump was running it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the other thing is that I think the LA riots was a few 92. months... 92. Yeah, was not long before this. So I'm just like, is this a bit of a heavy-handed comment? <laughs> yeah, apparently this uh, this whole uh, prologue was added by a writer, a guy called Fred Decker, who is Shane Black's writing partner. So they wrote a lot of films together. So Black and Decker like it like it and apparently he was involved in writing the most recent Predator film so shame on you Fred Decker Um, but yeah he apparently he was brought on board to do a rewrite because the script original script always began in the future with uh, Stallone or John Spartan being defrosted yeah Um, but he said in his words if you don't show Kansas Oz doesn't seem that special well that's a fair point to make Mm. and also we wouldn't have got that amazing opening scene. Yes. So Segway from Die Hard, we've got Agent Johnson, Grand L. Bush. Grand, our, our mate, our Grand L. Bush is back. Giving some rapid exposition. We're doing some great character actor work with a guy next to him who's doing some useless character actor work. There is so much exposition. In Everything the, in everybody this, says. Yeah. In the, apart from until uh, Snipes and uh, Stallone's characters come face to face. And even in the first scene oh, no, in the no, future, even after, it's, it's all exposition. No, even afterwards. I've been chasing the scumbag for two years. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sneaking up on him. And yeah, so let's talk about the hell. I love his arrival. S- Stallone is like just so, so just, you, to, just to prove it's a Stallone vehicle that we're in the helicopter, and he comes out of nowhere, and the camera like zooms in. And it's like it's my movie. It's me. Yeah, it's me. He doesn't introduce. We don't know who he is. Just um, some rapid exposition. Give me as close as you can. And then we have a very strange bungee. 
so thing. I don't think it is. Yeah, it just seems to be like a rope, and or if it is a bungee, it's right at the end. As, as soon as it straightens, he releases himself. You no, know, I, I, I'm I, not sure about the physics of it. But one thing I noticed, because I think we used to joke about this when we were younger, uh, about what that. It's not a bungee. How did that happen? Yeah. But watching it now, he throws the bag out first. Okay, yeah. so I think he's got like a sort of like rope going through a, a hook on the helicopter. So he throws the bag out, uh -huh. and then he jumps out as a counterweight. Uh -huh. But then when you watch, sorry, before screaming, Phoenix! Forgot about which, that. Which I thought is kind of like, I when we first watched it, it's like, what's he shouting? I used to think it was like Geronimo. Freedom. Or, or freedom, or <laughs> Toonami. Or you know, just like, America. Yeah, like America, but it's actually Phoenix that he's shouting. Going for the subtle approach. But we don't know who Phoenix is by that no. stage. Is, is he still just the scumbag? He's just, no, we don't know what's going on. Uh, oh, send a maniac to catch a maniac. And then, yeah, so he jumps out and he does this thing. Yeah, we don't, you, but you see on the rope that he, that as he's ascending, and the rope just kind of snaps. You're like, yeah. if you fell that far and it's not a bungee, break your back, break every bone in your body. No, we're not picking at it. I, I, mean, I, I, lo I love the fact that he manages to take down a whole army just with his handgun as well. Yeah, and they've all got like submarine machine guns. I think this is this is going this is going to come up a lot in this episode about the woeful marksmanship. Oh yes, there's it's even shocking. people not even trying to hit each other. Kind of there's parts in this film where they're kind of just letting each other know where they are in, by but, firing off a couple of rounds in but, their direction. But in true 80s, 90s fashion, it's just how much glass can you shoot? Yeah, there's a lot of glass and put people's heads through glass. To be fair, there is some good uh, action choreography in this film where he's like... Throughout. Uh, at the start, where he's taking people out and, and stuff like that. It's well choreographed. Um, so he gets to meet uh, his nemesis, the catch, you know, send a maniac to catch a maniac. How do we know he's a bad guy? Wesley, because is he smoking? Because you're like, first you see the mob smoke and then do coke <laughs> so mm. he's got he's got, and he's, he's got train and, lines of coke set up and he's also dressed what I've uh, put down as the Joker meets Bobby Brown or Dennis Rodman <laughs> well the funny you should say that Dennis Was Rodman he... didn't start dyeing his hair until after this film maybe he was considered for it no, no, no. I think he just fell in love with this film. That I'm going to do that. What about when do, we can't really talk about it on this episode? It's a different film, but Don't Simon me. says. The Simon. <laughs> Ooh, Dennis Rodman films. Now you've thrown a cat amongst the pigeons. George bought me this film called Simon Says featuring S Dennis Rodman. Says is spelled S E Z. And I think that was because of legal reasons. And yeah, he plays a character called Simon. And it is, I think, we have we tried to watch it drunk? I think. Uh, we, possibly. I. It's I Terrible. I mean, we I might be getting it. confused with uh, the double team, which has got him and Van Damme. That's a completely different film. That's on a different level to Simon Says. Oh, right. Anyway, we're getting off tangent. None of those films... Look, for, look forward to Simon Says podcast in the <laughs> none of future. these. None of these are recommendations. <laughs> um, so, yeah, well, we see Wesley, and he is just on fire. He's so full of... He's quipping, he's full of life, and I'm pretty sure he shows more charisma in this opening five minutes than he does in the entire Blade trilogy. Yeah, no, he's he's having a great time in this film. He's on, he's, he's dialed it up to 11, but against sort of sly, sort of stoic, you know, uh, tough guy, I think it works quite well, like in terms of him rubbing, them rubbing each other up. Are we going to talk about the whole when this became a Stallone vehicle, Stallone movie? Uh, well, is now an event, or are we just going to talk about that throughout? Because he does seem to be in a different film to everybody else. Yes, very much so, very much so. Um, but I think you will. Yeah, we'll we'll get through that. First of all, we've got. 
There's more explosions. A massive explosion. It's, impressive. It's impressive. Impressive so, explosion. Oh my God, John Spartan's going to die. Oh no, he isn't. <laughs> so he's running out screaming, carrying Simon Phoenix. And I think they did yeah, like Lethal Weapon again. Uh, Joel Silver thing. They blew up a building for real. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be demolished? Okay. Yeah. I, want to, I want in on that and I want to fill all of the rooms with gasoline. <laughs> uh, and another uh, Lethal Weapon link. We have the police chief from Lethal Weapon. Being playing, an angry police chief. Uh, giving more exposition. Yeah. Yeah, sort of and reinforcing. It's, walking, it's what we always love our walking exposition. Walking exposition, yeah. yeah. Um, got the scumbag. Then we cut straight into the freezing sequence slash opening credits. Slash homoerotic. Lots, lots. Lots. Just basically, it's kind of like, I like to think of it over like the intro to a Bond film, but instead of pretty girls, it's just like. Stallone in the buff. Lots of close-ups on Stallone's sweat. Muscles. Glistening body. It's like, ooh, are we about to see his willy? No, 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 no. no, no, no. Out of shot, out of shot. But I really like... Well, you, you mentioned it earlier about the, the, the production design. I really like the whole freezing concept of it. I think this film cool. still stands up today. It doesn't look like... I mean, they it was a 93 look at the future, and we're going to obviously go into the concepts and how a lot of it works you know yeah, there's, there's a lot of cool future tech in it yeah and they weren't they weren't that far off the mark in terms of the direction it's still going well so. i mean you've got um voice recognition skype auto you, auto drive yeah uh, retina scanning yeah and uh, low jacking people i mean we're not there yet but um, you might as, I, might as well be with your phone uh, i think there's also they talk about credits uh, digital credits instead of currency yeah so money money's yeah, money's no longer use, uh, yeah. used yeah but it does hold up well. We like this film. I think, you know, we're obviously going to have some fun with, because it's a Stallone film. But yeah, I mean, but with this, we enjoyed it then. We were looking forward to it because we love the martial arts of, of, of Wesley. But to put this into perspective where, where this uh, sits in Stallone's career, he was desperate to have a bit of a, a comeback, a revival. So this is, I think this came out a few months after Cliffhanger. Yeah. But I think, you know, they're, they're two good sort of Stallone, they're sort of middle of the road Stallone films, this and, and Cliffhanger. But I think before that, there was obviously, there was Rocky V. Because he'd I had think, his heyday in the 80s. And this yeah. was him trying to keep his career well, going in, was, in a changing... I mean, if you look at, you know, obviously... 91 T2 you know what the biggest film you know rival uh, and and close friend um, the Schwarzenegger library yeah um, we'll get to that <laughs> um, but they yeah, obviously Arnie had one of the biggest films in 91 and I think yeah he was sort of a little bit sort of well I don't know I'm just you know guessing but a little bit angry a little bit jealous that he's like oh well you know I had all these hits in the 80s I need a new vehicle I need some new material so yeah. that's why you're talking about saying this is very much just alone vehicle and in some ways it doesn't feel suited to his strengths yeah because it does feel like <laughs> there's scenes in it where you can see he's he's brilliant at where he's yeah. the action hero one-on-one -on -one, and he's very convincing in that you're like you wouldn't want to go up against him you could imagine and, and it works in terms of he's so different from everyone else but yeah it's a little bit too much fish out of water yeah but so yeah speaking of which so we're we jump into the future of is it twenty thirty two? It's forty years in the future. Yeah, because yeah, I was they they kind of jump around because yeah. they keep talking about like when violence was eradicated. And yeah, stuff like and the, that. the big one in twenty ten. Um, so yeah, we get to the uh, the, the the future. Uh, Wesley is defrosted and knows far too much. There's the the underground cameras that keep popping up, and yeah. I, I thought that... Periscopes. The, yeah, I thought it was the gophers from Caddyshack. They, they just <laughs> upgraded. Yeah. 
We've got Rod, Rob Schneider. Yeah, God. And and I see... And a Stallone movie. Hey, we need to do Judge Dredd together. Was that, I take it that was straight after. Uh, a couple of years after. Yeah. Ni- I think Judge Dredd's 95. They had so much fun working together. Um, you know, we're really well together. We've got, well real, <laughs> we got real good chemistry. I'm just going to nod. <laughs> yeah. I, I do. I, I agree with you. I like even with the the defrosting process that they work. All, all the laser cutting. Yeah, plasma, laser, plasma. reanimation process complete. Mm. Uh, yeah, things have moved on since Empire Strikes Back. There's some, there's something about when you arrive there. It's, it is actually very convincing. And then we're introduced to Sandra Bullock's character. The thing I love and the police. I, for, I forgot about uh, Rob Schneider. I, you never forget about Rob Schneider. <laughs> um, but the thing I really liked about this, the language in the future. It's all. It's hilarious. And it's all like, you know, what's the attitude readjustment and proceed with extreme assertiveness. Yeah. Uh, subject change. <laughs> yeah. I love it's really cl- I mean, yes, that we've, we've talked about it's had loads of writers all over the script. But I really like the way everyone speaks and the fact that because that is realistic, that people speech patterns will how develop. People talk, yeah. People will talk differently. And if they're all meant to be so well, yeah, if they're all meant to be so intelligent and peaceful, then you'd expect them to be more articulate and their language is all back to front. Sorry, I've just I've just looked at my notes. When I was watching this film, I thought Rob Schneider. I couldn't I couldn't remember his name. Is that Rob Schneider or Paulie Shaw? <laughs> <laughs> They're both awful. <laughs> yeah, but I think you no. Know, just to go back to that thing where it's like everything's sorted. We've we've solved crime, and the guy Waylon Smithers. Um, things don't happen anymore, and it's like uh, not with that fashion. They don't. <laughs> the fashion's not too bad. They do look like that. Yeah. If you saw that going down a catwalk, and I'd say it's still very. It's all very slick and modern uh, great costume design yeah we've, we've talked about how everything is, is they've got like 3d maps and stuff like that no but there's all that there's like everything can be found yeah they've got voice activated google maps yeah um, and this was 93 where we didn't even have email Yes. You know, so I mean, that's what you have to understand about how a video video calls. Yeah, how forward-looking it was, and the fact that. Uh, but there is something from Back to the Future when he says, "I monitored your call with Wayland Smithers." I, I didn't like the tone of it. It's like that's straight out of Back to yeah. the Future. I was monitoring. Yeah. So even Muckfry? in the even in the nineties, when you know video calls was being discussed, everyone knew that it was like, well, we could get monitored. Every, private privacy yeah. has been a concern or was a concern way before it's become a problem yeah. right now as we see the internet where it is in 2018 but uh, 2019 we, we also sorry. get to see uh, Nigel Hawthorne as uh, chewing up the scenery Dr. Cocteau um, he's holding a Skype meeting yeah Skype meeting <laughs> how do we know he's a bad guy because he's got an English, English accent well apparently this is um, a bit of background so Nigel Hawthorne you know, an acclaimed actor of of stage and he's and a proper Thess Blake, uh, and and obviously t- uh, British TV. But he was quite inexperienced in cinema. But he took the the role in this um, to prove because he was uh, desperately trying to get a uh, adaptation of the Madness of King George on screen because that was his. He'd done it on stage, and it was his passion project. Mm. And so he wanted to convince the producers that he could star in a big budget film. But as it transpired, it was unnecessary because the producers were already going to cast him in the role. So he's <laughs> apparently in his uh, autobiography, he hated working on this film and didn't get on with Sly or Wesley. Yeah, you can Un- imagine. Unsurprisingly. can kind of imagine that. But um, yeah, because I, I think that's one point uh, I want to say is there's also something that comes up a lot in these is... Uh, just looking around that room of police, there's a lot of very good character actors. There's um, there's a the tubby guy is yeah. from uh, Bosch. 
it's All an right. episode I have to talk about Bosch but it is set in LA so I don't think he, he travels very far but you got the old guy who ah Phoenix yes. was just a young man he's a quality actor well you know he's supposed to be the older version of Grandel Bush the helicopter pilot I didn't realise that until looking at IMDB I di- ah, that makes sense now so that's why they know each other um, but so some great characters all around even Paulie Shaw stroke Rob Schneider stroke it doesn't mm. matter Dennis Leary uh, <laughs> oh god Dennis Leary just doing the Dennis Leary De- thing. doing his Dennis Leary shtick uh, I, I think that's what he was asked to do and it's just it's just so great it's like yeah just rant about stuff I guess you weren't part of the cocktail plan greed deception abuse of power that's no plan see according to Cocteau's plan I'm the enemy because I like to think I like to read I'm into freedom of speech and freedom of choice. I'm the kind of guy that just sit in a greasy spoon and wonder, gee, should I have the T-bone steak or the jumbo rack of barbecue ribs with the side order of gravy fries? I want high cholesterol. I want to eat bacon and butter and buckets of cheese, okay? I want to smoke Cuban cigar the size of Cincinnati in the non-smoking section. I want to run through the streets naked with green jello all over my body reading Playboy magazine. Why? Because I suddenly might feel the need to, okay, pal? I've seen the future. You know what it is? It's a 47-year-old virgin sitting around in his beige pajamas drinking a banana broccoli shake singing, I'm an Oscar Mayer wiener. You live up top, you live Cocteau's way. What he wants, when he wants, how he wants. Your other choice? Come down here, maybe starve to death. Yeah, because I, I got the feeling that they had ideas for somebody else. Yeah, in, and in then I was just like, oh, we'll get Dennis Leary and just make him do the Dennis Leary thing. Yeah, because it is kind of like that. They, it's Because at the same time, and it's one of his stand-ups I like, if you watch it the first time, you like it, but then if you watch all of his other stuff, a lot of Dennis Leary's is him being angry and wanting to drink coffee and smoke. And yeah. and like, wait a minute, that's what this whole revolution stands for. People that don't want to abide by the rules of this utopian dystopia. Um, utopia? And dystopia. Like well, the, with the um, with the yin, yin and the yang, that's something I wanted to talk about. It's like, does this not rip off a major thing out of the time machine? Or with, with the people at the dwellers underground? Yeah, with the dwellers underground and the perfection above. Yeah, um, maybe. But for me, the future tech, for the most part, as we've just been talking about, is not that bad conceptually, as we've just talked yeah. about. There's the Skype, there's all, there's the safety car. We love the foam gel, which we'll get to. Um, but also, on a sort of more... On the darker note, the the big one, the idea of the earthquake. I mean, San Andreas, the San Andreas fault line. I mean, there was a film recently. They are they are due one. Well, again, Soon. wasn't there? There must wasn't there a big uh, yeah San Francisco earthquake around the same time, like early nineties. Yes, I know, but it's also the fact that yeah. there is a there was there was one in the nineties, and there is a big one still to come. And, yeah. and they say it could be a very very big one. And uh, anyway, it's it's very it was very possible. So, yeah. So you, once again, we go back to the fact number of writers involved. People have done their research. Yeah. The comedy's good. The yeah. verbal's good. There's just there's something in this film that seems to be moving in a different direction <laughs> to everything and everyone else. Lumbering <laughs> around like a saw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and no, I, I really love that scene where. The, uh, the police team are, are sent to take bring in Wesley and they're getting the the, the sort of dictation from Google basically saying what do I do it's you know, criminal yeah or uh, add or else yeah repeat <laughs> repeat the command with, with more, more, more assertive and or else Wesley's doing some great swearing yeah 
um, the, the, the swearing penalties. They're funny. And uh, we obviously, the first thing he asks for when he wakes up is, give me a Marlboro. Yeah. Not a cigarette, Not a, a cigarette. Marlboro. A Marlboro, because that's what people say. Yeah, no, but that's, that's how people talk, give me a Marlboro. Smoke. Smoke. Yeah. Um, so then we, well, do we want to talk, do we need to talk about the seashells? Or we're doing future tech. You're out of toilet paper. Did you say toilet paper? Oh, they used handfuls of wadded paper back in the 20s. <laughs> I'm happy that you're happy, but the place where you're supposed to have the toilet paper, you got this little shelf with three seashells on it. <laughs> he doesn't know how to use the three seashells. <laughs> I can see how that could be confusing. Nobody knows what it is. Nobody knows what it is. It's an in-joke. It works. Yeah. Um, the writer says that he was basically trying to think of something weird and exotic. And he was on the phone to his friend uh, and he was in the toilet and saw like somebody had like a bag of seashells in their bathroom. And he's like, fuck it, I'll chuck that in. Yeah. No, so I mean, there's, um, there's also some nice when... So we've got the meeting, I suppose, because it is worth pointing out that not only is uh, Sly... Uh, sorry, Stallone's character, Sp John Spartan. Great that, name, like like all other movie Johns. Yeah, lots of Johns. It's a strong name. Um, not only is he frozen in the film, but he's frozen out of the film he's for... He's not in it at least 20 minutes. It's something like 25 minutes. Well, that's, not, yeah, that's what I've noticed. I was like, that's quite a bold move. And, you know, we do give a lot of stick to Stallone, but credit to him for saying, not being all sort of devery and saying, well, hang on, why, why am I not in this? Maybe I they didn't tell him. <laughs> <laughs> true, true, maybe. Maybe he was told um, it was a much shorter film. But no, it's, it is a very smart move because you get the other actors, like Sandra Bullock, like Nigel Hawthorne, all those, and you get to establish that, that future, that utopia, before Sly comes in and bulldozers in like a bloody barbarian but i do i do like that the world building is done i'd say that it's still there's films of it today that are very guilty of a lot of world building and, and it's always done through dialogue these days because mm. that seems to be much more complicated but with there it's quite a lot of it is visual and things are happening and people are reacting yeah and i remember this it's, it's they're actually quite clever with what phoenix's character that why does he know all these access codes why does he know well, that's, everything that's and the rub isn't it that's that's the conspiracy yeah and it's, it's, it's a good twist and I remember watching it first time around going eh this doesn't make have I missed something yeah like why does he know everything well it's also because it's kind of mumbled oh, how did he come back and three times stronger sort of thing some nice casual racism from Wesley as he oh. goes to the phone booth and he goes ching chong ching chong yes I've got that in my notes so that, well yeah so there's that meeting scene so it's at the museum so where are you going to go for a gun you go to a museum that's how peaceful life is yeah you've got Wesley being racist you've got some um, what I'm going to call self-expo from Wesley there's a lot he's yes. got nobody to talk to I'm just we need to exposition myself. so I'm just going to talk to myself yeah there's there's some meta references so he refers to one of the, the statues as excuse me Rambo there is so much references now we go for, they're in two lines of dialogue he says excuse me Rambo mm -hmm. and then we switch to um, so Stallone uh, Bullock and um, Benjamin Bratt is the yeah Gar Garcia and he immediately makes uh, use the force Luke Skywalker this film and then from then on there's just loads and you wonder that's all deliberate is a commentary on on films 
Because there's a lot of one-liners. There's even yeah. says when they're having a, a chase. There's say hello to my little friend. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. A, there, there is. It's very intertextual, and obviously there's the the whole in joke that's actually quite uh, prescient. The the Schwarzenegger library and yeah. Schwarzenegger presidency, and obviously that at the time was a friendly jibe but the whole uh, competition between Stallone and Schwarzenegger. But it's bizarre that almost exactly 10 years later, Stallone is running for, for governor. Oh, you mean Schwarzenegger? Sorry. So, yeah, Schwarzenegger and is, was is running. A ve- and was a very good governor, but I think the, the reason why they thought it could be possible, because, I mean, that's the thing about America and probably why they have Trump right now, is that they had Reagan, who was an actor. Yeah. So if one act, actor can do it, why can't others? But um, some great stunts in the museum. It's a good fight. It, it is, is a great it, fight, it's yeah. a good, And I think that's why... If we're completely honest, this is what attracted us to the film, as I was kind of talking about before. It was probably more Wesley than Stallone. It was the fact that we loved him for his martial arts. We loved the obviously we were young from watching uh, Passenger I mean, Fifty Seven and a few others. That normally Wesley well, it, films was that well, well, we're getting them together in one film. Well, as I say, I, th- I think that was the one that the taglines was you know Stallone versus Snipes. You know, that's what you wanted to it, see. It was a big head to head. Yeah, and that's how all the posters make it. Mm. So, yeah, so it's um, some great stunts, some great physical stunts, and it's the guy, you know, so where's the laser guns? And you've got that, that's adding a new dynamic to it. And that's when I get reminded that I enjoyed this film back then. Mm. And I don't know about you, I enjoyed watching it again. Um, this time, I think it's kind of, it kind of felt to me like... Um, Almost like a '90s, the '90s answer to iRobot. Because you know iRobot, because it is kind of a whodunit. It is a kind yeah. of cop detective thing. But once again, there's something in the plot that's kind of probably de- detracting from that. Because yeah, the, there is. I mean, there is a lot of fun with yeah, the fish out of water stuff, and it's an interesting look with all these futuristic dystopian films. It's interesting to see a perfect. I'm doing air quotes. Perfect future, and everything's clean. Everything's great. But they do actually touch on something that came up in, not in a Black Mirror, but in the Electric Dreams, Philip K. Dick's Electric mm. Dreams. I don't know if you, have you seen the one about the decks uh, no, where she no. wears, she wears like two Fitbits on each thing and yeah. the Fitbits basically connect you to the internet and you can control everything. But she's moved, she's come into the city from what's called the bubble. This is set in the future. Mm. And she's come from what's called the bubbles. Right. And so in the city, you abide by the rules and you're tagged and everything. And it's where the, it looks like where we're going. Yeah. And where she's come from, she's come from out in the sticks. And her mother's coming to campaign. That's the plot of the episode. Her mother's coming to campaign um, for freedom and privacy. And that's what this is. I think at some point, the idea of this film was to try and have an interesting conversation about underworld versus a future society, whereas giving up our for security versus privacy. And it's just a conversation that's going to keep on going. But it is quite forward looking. Yeah. In terms of clamping down on everything, like they say, even spicy food and the music. Salt. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the adverts, Armour Hot Dogs. Yeah, that's that's hilarious. But yeah, you know, music's deemed to be too sort of inducing of violence or... Because they do sex. have like a Wayne's World moment in the car where they're yeah. all like bopping along. The franchise wars with, with Taco Bell winning the franchise wars. Do you think that's a bit of a slight in that they probably... I think they offered it to McDonald's. 
Because they must have talked to all of them. Well, yeah. They must I, have talked to all of them. Like, who wants to get in this film? Or what would be the funniest? Yeah, I, I don't know how... I think there probably is some reasoning about why they picked uh, Taco Bell. But why it wasn't Pizza Hut, why it wasn't yeah, Denny's. Well, or... apparently, in some European versions, because they, we didn't have Taco Bell, they actually changed it to Pizza Hut. Uh, and they even changed some of the like the logos like in, in production. Wow. Uh, because people didn't know what Taco Bell was like in, in Europe. Yeah, well, we just knew that it was a, a fast food joint in, in the States. Well, you say that, but bizarrely, I was reading uh, on, on the Chronicle, the Newcastle Chronicle the other day, that uh, a Taco Bell's just opened in Newcastle. I was like, there's no, I've never seen one in London. It's like, why is Newcastle Best got place one? place to start. Most forward-leaning, most trendy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, there you have it. It's, I thought it was uh, very apt. So there's that other revelation that whereas Wesley's been learning martial arts and getting computer access codes and how to swindle money and gain access to everything, Stallone says, yeah, all I had was nightmares and I remember my wife banging on the thing. But he also learned how to knit. Yeah, that is that is quite uh, a, quite a funny gag. Uh, around the same time, we get the sex scene, VR sex, the VR sex scene, which is quite bizarre. When you've got Stallone grunting, it goes on a lot longer than I remember it. Mm. I remember it as being like two seconds where he tries and goes, "No, let's do it for real." But it's yeah. actually yeah. And then when he says, "Let's do it for real," he comes up with some very bizarre double entendres, like, like the, the honker junker, mon- monker chunker. I've got down. I'm just like the boning, a boning, or doing the honker junker. Yeah. I was like, does anyone really say that? I like the fact that she just gives him the headset and a towel. Yes. <laughs> God. <laughs> just wipe yourself down. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Wesley has uh, I've ditched the the simple Jack dungarees and gone full Mad Max. <laughs> yeah, I noticed. Who's your tailor? I, it, it looks like he's had a fight with like a, like a car. He's just like cut a car up. Yeah, he's just covered in tires. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I've got, he's, he wants, he's doing the Lex Luthor. He wants real estate. Yeah. Because every bad guy, it's all about real estate. Malibu. There's also, so the did you notice the completely unnecessary tits and ass on the video call? Yeah, yeah. Any need? Is there any? What impact does? It, is it, oh, sorry. I think number. it's because everyone thought, hey, we're going to see them, those two getting it on, we and then we don't we, see we it. We need it's to like, give these guys a release. We've lost the guys' attention. Show, show them to some. T- oh, it's a yeah. blink and you miss it sort yeah. of thing. Um, but yeah, couldn't they have? Because after that scene, they wake up the next morning, he, he knits her a sweater to say He's sorry. He's knitted overnight, uh, as you do. Yeah, and then it's it's time to get underground and get dirty with all those dirty ethnics. Or, Isn't it? It's, it's such casual racism. Yeah, it's like Mexicans. Everyone, everyone underground speaks Spanish and is just dirty. Or Chinese. Yeah. yeah. And yes, we get to see Dennis Leary doing the Dennis Leary thing. Um, you've got some great stuff with Sandra Bullock. So goodness. Yeah. I mean, all the, the mixed up lines and metaphors. Let's go blow this guy. Yeah. <laughs> Take this job and shovel it. Yeah. <laughs> Which actually would work. Not bad for a 74-year-old. Simon Phoenix knows he has some competition. He's finally matched his meat. You really licked his ass. That's met his match and kicked kicked his ass. Met? Met his match and kicked his ass. Met his match. No, she, that's why I think she obviously, as we say, it was her breakout role. It shows that, because she did Speed after this, yeah. Yes, yeah, Speed was the, the following year. Um, so she showed that she could play that sort of simple turn, but have the... It's that earnestness. Yeah, it's she's that, so it's earnest. That, it's that enthusiasm. Um, but yeah, it's it's a real... She shows more range than anybody else. Yeah, it's, it is a real... I mean, I think everyone does 
say, you know, speed was her breakout role, but this, yeah, as you say, is such a, a great demonstration of her talents. Well, yeah, because somebody would probably say, well, yeah, because speed was, was a more serious action film and Stallone would be like, what do you mean? Demolition Man is a serious action film. <laughs> Gritty sci-fi soda. <laughs> Um, so did you know um, I only knew this because looking at the credits but Jesse Ventura is in this so the guy you know the guy from the chain with the chain gun from Predator right is he one of the henchmen he's one of the henchmen apparently there was a lot cut out of this film so right. I think it was so there's two things that was two main none edits. of the henchmen are allowed to say anything the henchmen they just grunt yeah there was a, a big there was a lot more backstory with Phoenix unfreezing his gang and I think Jesse Ventura actually had lines had a big fight with uh, Stallone but I think cause that was a thing again it was that well you know there's that whole gang but apparently there's a whole subplot that had been cut about uh, Stallone uh, or sorry uh What's John Spartan. Spartan meeting his daughter. I was going to ask you about it, it, this. I underground. I remember seeing... I, I just thought he got to meet her or got to find out what happened to her. Because you don't in this film. The, yeah, they just say that Did she... Did we watch the DVD extras uh, way back when? Maybe. Um, but yeah, they. I think they say that she... Were, well, they lost track of her during the quake. But yeah, apparently there's a whole subplot that was cut where she featured she's living as part of the scraps or whatever they're called Les Resistance. Um, um, but yeah apparently all the stuff with Jesse Ventura and the goons um, were cut because they were so violent apparently there's a lot more violence yeah and the studio our, um, our good friend uh, Stuart Baird who did so much editing on Tango and Cash was again brought brought in to sort of shape this film up into a bit more coherent and to take out that all that violence <laughs> So it all goes wrong for um, Phoenix and terrible marksmanship once again oh, in the underground scene. It's, it's like, it's like shooting, no one, the shooting in the vague area. Like, I mean, Phoenix gets the drop on both of them. This is where it doesn't, it doesn't make sense because he's like... Uh, again, I, I think that might be editing. I think it is editing because he looks down and he sees them both and he's like, I can't believe how lucky I am. And then he shoots them. And then there's a scene like a few minutes later where he looks and he's like, Spartan, you're here. And it's like, well, who else were you looking at? You know, it's like, who else did you think it was? was uh yeah so and then it quickly goes to you've got um yeah the car chase the uh, obligatory car chase where again 90s the, quips qu quoting scarface uh and there's also um there's a lot of exposition in that car chase of uh, uh, i framed you for the, the bodies were all dead before you they're got dead anyway. <laughs> yeah but there is a good thing uh, i think it's a good effect of whether having that fight it is a good it's a good fight it's like what the fight in the cryogenic the, thing no in or, the car in the car the, in the car the thing is you've got to hand it the what i think it was the reason we as i say again why we went to see this film is we were looking forward to seeing those two square up mm. and, and kick each other in and the fights in this art film all of them are good whenever yeah. they because they, they whenever they get together they, they do have some good fights yes yeah very much so um, yeah, punch I, him punch uh, him again <laughs> I, I really like the uh, I say I keep going on about the future tech but I love the, the car crash foam I think that's yeah. a great idea brilliant idea and um but the thing I didn't understand is that because you then go to Cocteau 
revealing Dr. Cocteau. We haven't even mentioned Cocteau's assistant, Ortho. Well, airdropped <laughs> directly from Beetlejuice. <laughs> He's been kept in cryogenic fr- no, freezer since, since Beetlejuice. No, but got- it's almost like his character is completely identical. It's like, yeah. did you know that I, I could be a great assistant and I deal in the occult? <laughs> but I'm a very versatile actor. It's, it's almost, somebody has said to him, it's almost like the guy from Lethal Weapon. Yep, just do the lethal weapon thing. Do the ortho thing. Do, do the ortho thing. Um, but yeah, no, Bullock's uh, got kick-ass moves. Very yeah. believable. Um, you know, doing doing the roundhouses and everything. And finally gets what, what every action film, somebody needs to learn what it's like to kill. To, to kill to a ki- guy. Um, but yeah, so to go back to that point I was making about Cocteau's master plan, right? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure of this plan. No, no, but it doesn't make sense because he starts talking about how he wants to... Edgar friendly to die. No, it's not just that, don't you have someone to kill? A job to do. Um, but he wants to have his own society. But I He's thought he it. already had it. Yeah, that's why I don't... It doesn't what, make sense. It's, it's like, master plan because he wants to is, is get rid of... I think it's the whole thing of just getting the rid resistance. of the traps. Yeah. yeah. Um, and until he's got rid of them, it won't be a perfect society. He's a perfectionist. Yes. Just like any other guy working in the Silicon Valley. <laughs> but it's just sort of like, but what was his plan to do with Phoenix afterwards? Yeah, and also he made the, made sure that Phoenix couldn't shoot him and that Stallone couldn't shoot him. But then he lets Phoenix defrost a bunch of his mates and lets one of them be able to shoot yeah, him. Not, not a great plan. No, no, not a great plan. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, there's a lot of posing. For, I mean, we're kind of, well, we're getting to the, the final showdown. Yeah, in, in the cryogenics uh, factory. Again, it's there's some really cool stuff in that. There's Wesley's got the ice cutter laser and there's a lot of mirroring of the first scene even in dialogue yeah uh, people quoting each other's lines I wonder where Stallone would use that again in his career yeah um, I like to think uh, in some ways it's a lot like Panto <laughs> this film it is a, quite a pantomime yes it is quite camp in parts oh you mean what the effeminate Wesley he is quite effeminate yeah. in some, some scenes but we're loving it um, but yeah I do I think that there's there's definitely I keep on going on about the terrible marksmanship but there is there's a scene in this film where I think I think one of them just like shoots the, the other one to let him know he's there yeah yeah he just shoots the console he's standing next to like say I'm over here <laughs> I'll get his attention by missing him a few times why didn't you just, just shoot him shoot him shoot him um, yeah I don't know what there, there, well as you say there's uh, we're, we're jumping right to the end but there's that foreshadowing dialogue because I think Wesley says at the start of the film one of these days I'm going to lose my head yeah <laughs> it's like oh, oh I see why you said that now is it cold in here is it just me yeah, yeah. so it's all, all of that yeah so and, and more explosions and uh, well, the, yeah, no I've just got everything explodes the end <laughs> the, the end release Sting yeah oh Sting theme song definitely not the police it's could, just and Sting's I mean no offence we love you Sting I listen to all your records but listening to it last night and I know it's I know it's, I know it's hard work to create, but he does sound like he's kind of phoned it in well apparently the song existed beforehand so do you think he changed did he change some of the words yes all right, okay. Because the writer said he got the idea uh, listening to the Sting song in the in the car and then thinking about Walt Disney freezing himself or some, some sort of bollocks like that. Okay. Um, but I was just like, yeah, and I think he re- did a remake of his own song. Okay, because it doesn't sound like Sting's even happy to be singing it. But I think... Yeah, I think I think they're coming. I think uh, we've got Jeff, Jeff and Celine. Might well, be honest. So, so actually, I'm going to throw in our oh. new our new feature for okay. for, for, for 2019. We have suspicious spin-offs.
Okay, what is this potential spin-offs or it's whatever you want. So if you can think of what I'd like to um it can be what was what had actually been officially uh, proposed or if we have a great idea or a terrible idea for a spin-off or sequel what would it be okay i would like to see well first question because it actually ties in nicely where is he going at the end of the film because he just he gets i think he just gets in the car and leaves to go somewhere a, a um, brighter future yeah um so potential spin-offs mm. is I don't know if you knew, but I want to see the film of the world that Dennis Leary and Ortho from Beetlejuice create together. Yes. <laughs> that would be yeah. interesting. I mean, I think, yeah, obviously you could see they, there's the prequel set in between the, the future and the future of 1996 and, you know, the violence being eradicated, the, the quake. You've obviously got some good stuff there. Yeah. Ha um, the how, however, the official sequel slash spin-off they wanted to go with this according to the writer daniel walters um uh, waters uh, joel silver rung him up and had the perfect launchpad for a sequel he wanted meryl streep to play stallone's grown-up daughter right <laughs> i'm sure she would have been okay with that and um yeah he said i got a call f from joel what do you think of this Meryl Streep is Stallone's daughter for the sequel. What do you think? Joel, it's 5 a.m. Uh, 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 <laughs> yeah. And he was like, I'm like, okay, you get Meryl on set and I'll come out, Jill. Needless to say, it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think that is a, a good, you know, I think that's better than either you or I could come up with. There's also a spin-off of, like, what happened those two years he was trying to track down Phoenix, you know? <laughs> yes, exactly. That would be interesting to, to see. And or, or also just like what happened to Grandel Bush Wright? I want to see him go from helicopter pilot to. Uh, or I want a. That could be his story. A eight-part series about franchise wars. Yeah, the franchise wars. <laughs> How did Taco Bell topple mm. them all? Um, Releasing. So now we go from one feature into another. Your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. So, coulda, woulda, shoulda um, stars that uh, were lined up. Uh, so, this one has got some some interesting ones. So, um, before Stallone uh, was in the frame, the original two choices were Steven Seagal and Van Damme. Van Damme playing the Simon Phoenix role. Mm -hmm. uh, Van Damme didn't want to play the bad guy, so he was like. I'll play, what about I play the lead and you get somebody else to play the bad guy? So then they approached Seagal and Seagal's like, I don't do bad guys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Was he squinting when he said that? Obviously. So obviously Van Damme would go on to play uh, villains later in his career. Um, but the same when Stallone was in the frame, uh, he wanted Jackie Chan to play the villain. And Jackie Chan uh, turned down because he said... It's um, not Jackie Chan. It's, it's not Jackie Chan. <laughs> Jackie Chan said his, you know, his audiences, you know, he has huge, uh, huge audiences globally. And they're used to seeing him as the hero and he didn't want to change that image. So he turned it down. However, there's also some... Uh, well, there was no Van Damme versus Van Damme. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Two okay, twins. I just have a bit of stubble. <laughs> Two tall have greased back hair. But in a similar instance um, to uh, Back to the Future with Eric Stoltz, so apparently uh, Laurie Petty, that uh, gorgeous small boy from Point Break, <laughs> um, the love interest from Point Break, was actually uh, cast in the Sandra Bullock role and left after a few days filming, leaving due to creative differences. <laughs> I'm not a boy. <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not a hot boy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, and it must be a bit of a kick. I think, she, to be fair, though, I think she did 
the Tank Girl film around the same time, which uh, ironically tanked. Um, but she must be kicking herself considering what, obviously, you know, the career path of Sandra Bullock. <laughs> what could have been. No, she, yeah. had, her own, she had her own opportunity in, in things like And she'll be forever forgiven because of the cult classic that Point Break is. Check in, out that episode, by indeed. the way. Nice segue. So, yeah, I think uh, I think that's it from from my side of things anyway. Yeah, I mean, I think I just want to go on record and say I do like Stallone. I, I, we've watched lots of it. I just can't take him seriously I think and because he takes himself too seriously there's a lot of setup jokes for him to be funny everyone else is making it and it says I think I, I, I screen grabbed and sent George a picture when I was watching this uh, on Amazon I was like tongue in cheek satire and I was like mm. somebody didn't tell Stallone that yeah I mean I think or that's he struggles it. I, mean, I mean I think we've got you know there's yeah we're we're conscious that we don't want to be seen as as Stallone bashers, but I think it's safe to say the man comedy isn't his strength. I mean, Arnie can do comedy. It's the self parody. It's a self parodying yeah. he struggles with. Yeah, Van, Van Damme can do comedy, yeah. but Stallone can just not do comedy, and when he does, it's very forced. Well, I, do, I think there's a difference. I mean, I think there's we've talked about it before. Like there are actors who you wouldn't suspect. Like we we've got a lot of respect for. You see Val Kilmer and a lot of serious. Uh, mm. roles but we you remember him, we remember him from Top Secret and from Kiss Kiss Bang Bang yeah. where he proves that he is has brilliant comic timing and then there is the ability for self-parody which is what um, Sylvester Stallone seems to struggle with and it's what the Expendables I think I've obviously talked about this before in other episodes and we are not bashing but The Expendables was an amazing opportunity to, to, to look back at a lot of what we cover on Retro Ramble and have a lot of fun and what did we get? We got a film where it took it, he took it very very seriously yeah. I think Statham kind of played along with it and some of the other actors are having a lot of fun but he's po-faced you know, yeah. down, down, rather too much so. But I will back this up and say that he is so convincing. And watching this film, because I watched a nice HD version uh, of this, and it was great to see it remastered, because I think I probably watched it DVD or whenever a long time ago, or even video. Um, saying you liked seeing him naked in HD. I don't know. I just, I, I was like, is he hot? Am I confused? <laughs> There's a lot of him naked and in that see-through sort of dressing gown thing at the beginning before he gets frozen. Uh -huh. I don't know, George. I just, I, I like him a bit more now and I don't think it's like a friend or a pen pal I think I think it's I think it's sexual no he's very convincing action man yeah, yeah he I, proved no, it in Rambo and he proves it in this film yeah I think this is one of the one of the last good action films he did obviously he would go on to do one of his best performance ever in Copland Copland yeah 97 well he proved he could act yeah in a and, serious and I, and I think that's it you know obviously he's, he's earned his stripes with Rocky first Rambo then Rambo gets very silly I'm sure we will cover Rambo First Blood Part 2 at some point because that's so, so much fun. Oh my God, I cannot wait until we do that. And I think we may, yeah, we may have to, there'll be a lot of referencing, obviously, the other Rambo films when, mm. when we cover that. But it is probably, you've made a valid point, you know, we, you know, we everyone respects that it's a great story about uh, Rocky, about how he wrote it, he made it. And he was determined that, you know, he wasn't going to sell his script unless he was cast in the role. And he had a lot of control over it. But mm. unfortunately, I think that the negative impact of that is that he did it in his first film and I think he's gone on to do in a lot of other films that if he's part of it that he takes control of it and yeah. that he has a lot of control of it and I think we, as we've talked about in this episode I think one he pisses off a lot of the people he's working with and two he's moving in a slightly different correct direction than, than was the artistic intent of the director um, so yeah but I mean 
the guy has made a lot of money for a reason. You know, he's he's done a lot. He's of a good very work. smart guy, and I think that's the, the the chip on his shoulder that he doesn't. Nobody want to be takes seen, him seriously, yeah. and he doesn't want to be seen as like a lumbering idiot. Whereas I think Schwarzenegger is more comfortable with himself. He's like, yeah, I'm a smart guy too, but I don't care if people think I'm just a muscle bound freak because I'm also a muscle bound freak. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, according to his biography, did I mention that? I don't think you've mentioned it for at least a month. Um, total Recall. Uh, uh, Are you getting paid whenever you mention that? <laughs> Are you got your own sidekick for sponsorship? I really should have, Amazon. <laughs> um, but uh, Arnie actually learned comedy. He actually went to like comedy clubs and he shadowed, like he spoke to loads of stand-up comedians and actually worked on his comedy timing and actually approached uh, as Ivan Reitman to say, you know, I want to do a comedy and that they wrote twins around his what his strengths were. So he was like, okay, I want to learn how to be funny. Whereas I think Stallone's like, I am funny. I, did, I do think he does a good joke of the, the seamstress. I think he does. That's the one joke. And, and the whole bit where he's um, swearing at the machine. Yeah. The toilet so, paper, that, so, I mean, yeah. That, that's the fact that you see in this, and I think we've mentioned in this film, there is some editing things, you know, and hopefully we've shone the light on the fact that there was a number of writers and after the years, the cracks are easy to spot. Mm. But back then, as, as we've said a few times, we enjoyed it. We went sort of cinema. We looked forward to yeah. it. We bought, I think I bought it on DVD. And um, yeah, I mean, we were looking forward to it. We enjoyed it. And we look, and it still holds up today. It's a, if you want a good 90s action flick it's a good st- romp yeah it's a good romp um, it's enjoyable it's funny and there's some pleasant things in there's there's some great acts some great uh, character actors as as you, as you would hope for mm. in these sort of films so um, that was Demolition Man and next time we are going to become because it's v- the, v- the month of Valentine's we're going to be picking up a nice romantic title George something something for all those lovers out there uh, singletons yes um, to to be determined. I think we've got a few uh, a few films lined up for the next few months. But uh, yeah, I think we'll stay t- tuned. TBC. Yeah. So okay. Well, I've been uh, Charlie McGee. I've been George McGee. And we'll see you next time. Bye bye. Bye bye.